0: This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Christian Family Church of Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com. All right, well, we're going to hit it here in just a second on the area of faith. Go with me to the book of, of Matthew chapter 9, where we'll begin here in a minute. You know, it's always interesting to me how God will begin to work in you, just little areas of your life. And so, you know, if you've come to church here very long, it's, it's not a happy day when Shelly says to me, we got to go to Walmart. I mean, I look, and I think, oh, Lord Jesus, help me. And so we go to Walmart the other night, and I'm, I'm reading a book, not only with myself, but all my staff. And it's, it's about, really, how we choose to be positive or negative. That anytime we get upset about what's going on in our life, this book says, you're the bus driver. If you don't like the way the bus is headed, it's your fault. And so... I'm thinking about those things, so I thought, man, I, I just need to have a good attitude going in here to Walmart. So we go through it, and we're walking through there, and, and I begin to notice something. That every aisle I go to, their employees are doing something, and they say, good evening, can we help you? And so I'm thinking, am I in the same Walmart? What's going on? Have we been raptured into the Walmart of heaven? Every aisle, I mean, so I'm thinking maybe this is just me. So I said to Shelly, I said, hey, do you see what this is happening here? And she said, I've noticed too. And she said, we got about three or four more aisles to go. She said, let's just see what will happen. So we keep going through there and we're not looking at them like you're going to. I'll tell you, one right after the other, they start saying, good evening, good evening, good evening. And so I'm thinking, man, this is wonderful. I may have to come back to Walmart to get encouraged. So we go up to check out. And the little checker, she says to Shelly, she said, oh, you're my favorite. I'm so glad you're here. She comes around the counter and hugs Shelly. And she goes, oh, husband, I don't know your name, but you're worthy of a hug too. So she hugs me, and I'm kind of looking at her. And so she checks out all her groceries, and I said, God bless you. Have a great evening. And she says, oh, husband, i got to give you another hug. And so, again, so much happens when we change our, our attitude. When we just look into look into things. And then again, I will tell you this. Many times in our life, you may not, not even be thinking about how God will move in your life. God wants to use you wherever you're at. So I go to the hospital last night after prayer. There's some of the people in our church I needed to see. And I come out of one of the rooms and there's a lady standing there. And I looked at her and I said, God bless you, ma'am. And she said, oh, it hadn't been a good day. And so I just stopped and I said, tell me why. And she said, well, we're from Brownfield. And she said, my husband's been here eight days. And she said, it's not good. And so, man, I you talking about an opportunity. I mean, I was like, okay. And so I said, let me speak the things of God over your husband. And she just looked at me, and I thought, you know what? People need to realize we still believe in Jesus. We still believe in one right after the other. And so, again, I don't care where you're at. I'm telling you those things. Whether you're in Walmart, whether you're at the doctor, wherever you God will use you. Now, He works through people right here on the earth. Now, that had absolutely nothing to do with tonight. So go with me to Matthew 9 and we'll get going to, to where, where we need to go tonight. Uh, again, as you turn to Matthew 9, you may already be there, many times in our life with the things of God, we may not see immediate results or overnight results. Now, most of us understand that in life. I mean, when you start growing up, you you go through kindergarten, first grade, second grade, third grade. You don't get to skip a grade normally unless you're really intelligent. That doesn't happen very often. And so you understand from the time you start till the time you end, it's years and years. You understand it's going to take a while, but we don't give up. Well, oftentimes with the kingdom of God, when things don't happen like we want them to, we give up. We act like, well, well, something's not working. So again, we get back to the the, the thought of seed time and harvest. Anytime you plant a seed, from the time I plant that seed until the time I harvest, it's going to take a little bit of time. So don't give up. In, In 1 Timothy 6, it specifically says, fight the good fight of faith. Those wordings right there, they tell me immediately, it's not always going to be easy. Sometimes there's a fight with faith. In Hebrews chapter 6 verse 12, it says, Through faith and patience, we inherit the the promises. You know what patience says? Sometimes you're going to have to wait. So don't be discouraged on that. Now we begin tonight in Matthew chapter 9 verse 27. When Jesus departed from there, two blind men followed him, crying out and saying, Son of David, have mercy on us. Now, the the term there, Son of David, that was a messianic term to describe Jesus that they would use. But when we look at this very first verse that we just read, these two blind men, they followed Jesus and they began to shout or cry out to him. Why would they do that? I believe they were probably told many times, man, you get around this guy, you'll get healed. Something that will happen, something will happen to you if you just get around him. And so I believe these guys are saying, man, we, we've, got, we've got to get around him. We've got to stay with him now. Remember, these guys are blind. Verse number 28. And when he, Jesus had come into the house, the blind men came to him. The blind men came to him. So again, we see something here that becomes a pattern within these guys that they followed him, they cried out to him, and then they came to him. It shows me a persistence within them. As if, you know what? We're crying out to him and nothing happened, but we're going to keep chasing him until something does happen. Now, here's a verse in, in Hebrews eleven six that will pertain to what we're talking about tonight. It says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. And he is a rewarder and a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Diligently. Now think about the word diligent. A diligent uh, person would be something or somebody that does something day after day after day after day after day. I'm diligent. So these guys, when we look at this, man, there was some diligence within him. They never stopped pursuing him. So he goes on to say here, they came into the house and the blind men came to him. And Jesus said to them, the two blind men, Do you believe that I am able to do this? Now, when I look at stuff like this, this this is an incredible question here. Because their appearance, Jesus had to know they were blind. He had to know that. And so he asked them this certain question. He says, fellas, Do you believe that I can, am I able to do this? I can do this. So why would Jesus ask them that question? Well, I believe to a degree it was to activate their faith because whether we want to admit this or not, every one of us have a choice or a will. How do we know that? Because the Lord says specifically, He desires that none shall perish. Will there be people that will perish? Yeah, they'll perish. Why will they perish? Because they never accept Jesus as Lord of their life. Now think about that right there. Jesus will never force you to do anything. Jesus will not grab you by the collar and say, You've got to get born again. Jesus won't force you to pray. And so in this sense, Jesus was located in them and to a degree was saying, Just give me permission, fellas. Just give me some permission to move in your life. So he goes on to say, do you believe that I am able to do this? And they said to him, yes, Lord. Now think about the wording right there. They didn't just say yes. They said, yes, Lord, or yes, Jesus. Yes, Jesus, we believe you're able to do this. So watch the response here in verse 29. Then he touched their eyes and he said, According to your faith, let it be to you. Now wait a minute. Jesus didn't say according to his faith. He said according to your faith. So I get there and I begin to look and I think, okay. Okay. If Jesus said, according to your faith, think about some of the areas here that Jesus just revealed their faith. It said, they they, they followed him, they cried out to him, they came to him. And when Jesus said to them, as far as, do you believe I'm able to do this? They said, yes, Lord. They said, yes, Lord. So again, I looked at whatever bit that Jesus said to him. Why he would ask them that. Why they act, uh, acted the way they did in here. So when I go back and look at this whole passage. Let me finish reading this. We're going to come back here and look. He says, do you believe that I'm able to do this? And they said to him, yes, Lord. Then he touched their eyes saying, according to your faith, let it be to you. And their eyes were open. So this whole passage in a nutshell, if you look at it. Who did they follow? Jesus. Who did they cry out to? Jesus. Who did they come to? Jesus. Who did they believe? Jesus. So the whole focus of faith is always about Jesus. It never ends that way, that I just continually keep looking to Jesus, and I keep calling out to Jesus, and I never quit. And so again, their persistence and their diligence had a part to play in this. See, they could have quit. The very first time they came out and they called out to him, they could have said, hey, he's not going to listen to us, let's quit. But something happens when I persevere. Something happens when I continually pursue the things of God, day by day by day by day by day. You know, in James 4, it says, draw near to me and I'll draw near to you. Something happens when we begin to look at Jesus that way. So go with me to the book of Matthew chapter 14. Matthew 14, now this is all interesting to me and so we're going to be just right here in this passage for most of the rest of the night. Matthew 14, we'll begin once you get there in verse 22. Now, where this is at, Jesus has just fed the 5,000. credible miracle. His disciples saw how he blessed them and he fed the 5,000. So we pick up in verse 22. Immediately... Jesus made or strongly urged his disciples to get in the boat and go before him to the other side while he sent the multitude away. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up to the mountains by himself to pray. I, I don't believe that thought is just thrown in there just for the fun of it. That Jesus himself went up to pray. So a couple things that I want to point out on that is the Son of God, he prayed. He didn't say, I don't need it. So while his time higher on the earth, one of the ways he stayed connected to God is he took the time to pray. This was the Son of God. And then it said again that he was by himself. I believe very strongly in corporate prayer because the Bible said one will put a thousand, two will put 10,000 to flee. But something happens at times when I pray alone. You know what I found out when I pray alone? Man, my my, my heart is pure. Man, Lord, I'm just standing right here before you. And so again, don't ever miss the opportunity to come back around the Lord. And you think about that Jesus had fed those 5,000. He was tired. He was wore out. And so one of the ways he replenished himself, he prayed. He got away, with, got, got away one-on-one with God. So we keep reading there. Now, when evening came, he was alone there. Again, he was by himself. You know, most of us as humans, we don't like to be alone. We like to be with people. But there are times in our life it's very important that you stay alone and you seek God that way. Verse 24. But the boat with the disciples on it was now in the middle of the sea, Tossed by the waves, for the wind was contrary. Now, I, I want you to, to note that real strong, how, how the ocean was right then, that evening. Actually, it's night. It said the winds were, were blowing hard, and the waves were basically rocking, okay? Now, think about that thought, verse 25. Now, in the fourth watch of the night, between 3 and 6 a.m., Jesus went to them walking on the sea. The reason I wanted to bring back up in verse 24 how the sea was, it says that Jesus goes walking on the sea. And we know because of verse 24, when Jesus walked on the sea, the wind was blowing and the waves were strong. So literally right here, Jesus is walking on the ocean when there's severe adversity. Interesting. You know what that tells me? The things of this earth, They don't move Jesus, okay? Verse 26. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled. They're freaking out what they're doing. Saying, it is a ghost, and they cried out for fear. Now sometimes when we read passages in the Bible, we think we're real spiritual, you know? Why were they freaking out? Why were they in fear? I'll guarantee you, if you go out to Lake Allen Henry between 3 and 6 in the morning and Jesus comes strolling up, walking on the what, you're going to freak too. I'm going to freak too. That'll get your attention real quick. Verse 27. But immediately Jesus spoke to them saying, Be of good cheer, it is I, do not be afraid. Now, it's interesting how Jesus handles all this. Verse 28. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. Now, this is an interesting statement here. He said, Lord, if it is you, command me. Command me. Now, what got my attention about the word command there, was that what it said in most translations? Actually, yes. The majority of the translations I went through, one right after the other, he said, Lord, command me. Lord, command me. Now, you can go with me if you want. I'm going to come right back to that. Last week, we were in the book of Luke chapter 17. In Luke 17, the disciples asked Jesus, they said, Lord, increase our faith. If you remember this passage, when they said, Lord, increase our faith, Jesus says to them, if you had faith as a mustard seed. So again, Jesus right there, he likens faith to a seed, a a mustard seed. So he tells us immediately with that statement that it's not so much about quantity, as about quality. But when I think about seed... The only way that seed takes place and gets going is if I plant it. And once I plant it, then I water it and I take care of it and I take care of it. And ultimately, there becomes a harvest off of it. And so then after that, Jesus changes subjects a little bit and he talks about a servant when he obeys his master the one that's plowing, the one that's tending sheep, and the one that is, is, is fixing him a meal. Now, listen to what. Luke 17 verse 10 says. So likewise you, when you have done all those things which you are commanded. There it is again, that word commanded. When we do the things that are commanded. So back to Peter's question. Peter said, Lord if it's you, command me. Command me. Now when Jesus commands us. It becomes my duty to obey. It's not obedience until I actually do it. So right here again in this passage, he says, come to Peter. Now watch this. And he said to Peter, come. And when he said to Peter, come, Jesus gave him permission. But when Jesus gives you permission... He also gives you the ability to act. He would never, never, never tell you to do something that you didn't have the ability to do. So a lot of times, when I've seen the promises of God, there's times i thought, I can't do that, I can't do that. He would never command us to do something if we couldn't do it. And we're all in the same boat in this. So we go on and back to verse number 29, and he said, "Come." And when Peter come down out of the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. So when I look at this and he walked on the water to go to Jesus, it's incredible. See, most of the time we, we overlook that part right there. Peter acted and obeyed the word of God, come. Now I want you to note something right here. When he said come and Jesus got out of the boat to come, no one pushed him in. He did that on his own will. So think about this. Peter, Peter said, if it's you, Lord, command me to come. And Jesus said, come on. Now think about what's going on in his mind, because this is what would be going on in our mind. I mean, he's looking over that ship, and then he looks at Jesus. He's looking at the, 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 the waves and the wind, and he looks at Jesus. And so now there's a tug-of-war going on with him. Do I obey what my physical senses are seeing, or do I obey Jesus? And every one of us, we get into that same dilemma right here. See, again, it becomes a choice do I obey? Now, here's what Peter could have done. When Jesus said, Come, he could have gone back onto the boat and looked at all the disciples and said, Boys, when Jesus told me to come, I believe I could have walked on the water. And he could have sat down back in the boat and he said, You know what? I believe that's true. But if he would have never acted on what Jesus said, it would have done him no good. And so again, we see something here. I can believe the word of God, but until I obey the word of God, it doesn't do me no good. See, if he would have said, I believe I can walk on the water because Jesus said I could walk on the water, that's a true statement. Jesus did say that. But he would not have benefited until what? He obeyed the command and actually got out of the boat and went to Jesus. Verse number 30, but when he saw, but when he saw, what did he see? That the wind was boisterous. Okay, this is where it gets interesting to me. When he saw. See, every one of us have physical senses. And the things that we see with our natural eye, they're real. Those waves were real. That wind is real. But we have another thing called spiritual eyes. And whether we want to really truly believe this or not, the things that Jesus tells us to do or commands, they're just as real. So now his physical senses are working and he begins to see the wind right here. Just as we, we talk about. Now look what happens. But when he saw that the wind was boisterous, he was afraid, and he began to sink. So as I look at this right here, so what Peter saw with his physical eyes, the winds and the waves, did it nullify or change the command that Jesus said to come? It didn't change it one bit. So I think, okay, what happens right here, Lord? What happens? Keep your finger right there and go to the book of Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12. Now, as you're turning there, I said to myself today, Lord, perhaps this is where I've missed it. Perhaps this is where I begin to sink. When you give me a promise, and I don't fully obey it because of the circumstances around me. Watch what Hebrews 12 says, verse 2. Looking, looking, looking. That word looking, my undivided attention. In order to fix one gaze upon Having eyes for no one but Jesus. So he says, looking unto Jesus, the author, the originator, and the finisher of the perfecter of our faith. Now, I love the word there where it says, he's the perfecter of my faith. So you know what he's telling us right here? i got to keep my eyes on Jesus. Because the things of this world are going to try to pull me off of what Jesus said. And so when Jesus said, come... He came for a little bit, but when life circumstances started squeezing him, what did he do? He got his eyes off of Jesus, and I kept thinking to myself, I've been there. I've been there over and over and over and over. Now, here's the truth that every one of us need to get this today. I can sink even when I've stepped out and believed Jesus. I can sink even when Jesus tells me to come and I believe it and do it. I can sink even when Jesus is standing right there with me if I get my eyes off of what he said. That was just proven right there. So you know what the word of God begins to tell me? Keep your eyes on Jesus. Keep your eyes on the word of God hang on to him, bite down on him. And so pay attention here what he goes on to say. So when he saw that the wind was boisterous, he was afraid and began to sink. And he cried out saying, Lord, save me. As he's sinking, what does he do? He cries out. And guess what he cries out? He says, Lord, save me. And guess what Jesus does? Jesus saves him. When you cry out to me, not going to let you sink. And then he goes on to say, immediately jesus stretched out his hand and caught him and he said to him oh ye of little faith he didn't say oh ye of no faith he said oh ye of little faith so i begin to look at what he said little faith would be because within little faith is incredible potential because if we go back and we look he did walk on the water he did for a little bit and so when he says, O oh, ye of little faith, Jesus wasn't scolding him. I, I read this definition of little faith a couple weeks ago. And it specifically said, little faith was underdeveloped. So you know what he's telling us? Don't give up. Don't give up. Keep developing your faith. Now here's a key for every one of us in here tonight. The only way we ever live to walk on the water is I got to get out of the boat. If you stay in the boat the rest of your life, you'll never walk on the water. Well, the, the, the boat is safe in here. I'm dry. It's okay in here. But the only way my faith is ever perfected like Jesus desires it to be. Remember Hebrews 12 too, He's the perfecter of our faith. Is I got to get out of the boat. And to get out of the boat, guess what? You may be a wet water walker. I would rather be a wet water walker than a dry boat setter. Because you know what a dry boat setter is? He sits there and complains all day. But a wet water walker, you know what? He gets out of the boat. And he says, you know what? My faith. My faith is being developed. My faith is under construction. And I keep my eyes on Jesus. And think about a horse in a horse race. You know what they do to the horses in the Kentucky Derby? They put these things called blinders on them. Now, I'm not a horse. I don't know how that feels. You know what those blinders do? They don't even know what's to the right or the left. You know what? They're looking unto Jesus. They're looking under the finish line. See, that's what we got to get. And so I think about this. In every area of our lives, we've all perfected in certain areas. When you started walking as a child, I'll guarantee the first steps you took, you went down. Bam! Another one bites the dust. Bam! And your mommy and daddy didn't pick you and said, it's okay, honey, he's never going to walk the rest of his life. They picked you up and said, go get it again, tiger, go get it. So you know what? You got used to getting back up. Same with riding a bike. How many of you had training wheels? Man, if they turned them training wheels off, man, you crash right into the neighbor's car. Get back up. Get back on that thing. Same as swimming. Man, you remember the first time you went swimming? They're going to teach you how to swim. You know what you did? You got in about that deep of water, and you got on your knees and you put your little face in. And before long, you began to dog paddle. Before long, your dad took you up on this high rock and threw you in and said, "Swim, boy." See, again, that's the same with faith. i got to begin to exercise my faith. i got to have that perseverance and say, Father God, I believe you. I trust you. I trust you. And so I don't care where you're at today. You say, man, Pastor, you don't know where I'm at. I feel like I've sunk. Welcome to the NFL. Who hasn't? So we get back up. You studied Peter's life. At one time, Peter was better known as Peter the Pathetic. But by the time his life ended, he was Peter the Powerful. You know why? His faith was developed. He kept hanging out with Jesus. He kept listening to the Word of God. And man, I'll tell you, that excites me to say, okay, Lord, I'm going to get up today. Thank you for listening today. For more information, please visit FaithChurchLubbock.com.